Ladies and gentlemen, the one-year anniversary of the Western Huntsman Podcast. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. everybody thank you so much for tuning in guys this is the uh one year special episode of the western huntsman podcast we are celebrating our one year anniversary here at the show and that is a big deal not a lot of podcasts make it to their one year mark and and so i i'm just i'm super thankful to be here and the only reason i'm being or i am still here is you know, because you guys keep tuning in, and I appreciate that, and I'm super humbled by it. Uh, I I just appreciate everybody's support. It's just been so much more um, fulfilling and than I ever thought was possible. And and just the way you guys have supported the show, just it just makes my heart happy. And and man, I appreciate it, guys. So welcome. This is Jim Huntsman coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio here in Hayden, Idaho where we are knocking on the door of Christmas Eve. And in fact, last year at this time, I was releasing the episode uh, on Christmas Eve. Episode one was kind of a quick description of, um, you know, the show in the intro, kind of the basis of the show, the foundation of the show and all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool. It was fun. It was fun to have. And then I had Dirk Durham on. Um, where before he moved down south, I got to, I, I went down to his place and he had this cool little cabin out in the woods that, uh, we met at and had a couple of beers and, and kind of, it was, uh, it was like a Dirk Durham, uh, you know, expose or, or whatever you want to call it. And I put that episode out on Christmas Eve and I was hoping to get, you know, like a hundred downloads or, or, you know, yeah, that's what it was. It was like, I, my goal was to hit like a hundred downloads. And it turns out uh, we got close to a thousand downloads on that thing, and w- w- that's that's just a huge deal. It's so tough to to get these podcasts out there and market these things in a, in a way to build an audience and and uh, grow it and grow it as a show and and scale it and all these things that that I try to do here. Um, it's a difficult thing. Uh, and I'm a, I've kind of got a background in marketing. And so I, I just, I, I know that there's like this balance that I have to find with marketing the show and advertising the show without being annoying about it. You know, I don't want to post it all over the place. I, I, I try to be as careful as, as possible with that. But, uh, any, anyways, that's kind of the story of how the show started last year. And, and, uh, here we are a year later, uh, this is episode number 51 and I, I did miss a week in September, and so that's the that's the only week that I, I missed, and that was because of hunting. So I, I feel like I, I get a, a pass on on missing a week, but I try to I try to get these episodes out every week, and uh, you guys seem to like to tune in every week because uh, it, it it seems like every week we get more downloads. 
it's just a, that's just such a cool thing. And it's just such a cool, um, reward for doing these. Cause they, they really do take a lot of time and work and effort. And, and I, I had no idea what I was doing when I started a podcast. Yeah. You know, you guys know what I mean? I, I didn't know. I, I listened to podcasts and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of different podcasts and most of them are hunting. Some of them are non hunting related. Uh, but I, I drive a lot for my day job. And so I have a lot of time to just, uh, you know, absorb a lot of different types of podcasts and, and, uh, some of them give me ideas of, of, you know, what to do on this show. And some of them tell me exactly what not to do on this show. Uh, and some of them, you just sit back and you learn and you enjoy and they're, they're entertaining and, and, uh, and it just kind of motivates me and pumps me up to get this one out there and, and get this one growing. And I think the reason why it has grown so much, uh, over the years, because, so this year, just to put it into perspective, and I can't remember the stat uh, exactly what what it is, but it is the the majority of podcasts that that get released do not make it twelve months. They don't they don't make it, and I can see why because they they are a lot of work. They're a lot of time. Uh, I sure I, I sure as hell don't make any money on this thing. And so the only real incentive that I have for doing these is I get to talk to you guys and you guys communicate back, whether it's through email or on social media or getting you on the show. Um, and really that's my satisfaction. And, and my goal with the show is, is to just get hunters that are, are passionate about our lifestyle and our sport and our, uh, you know, what we do as hunters and talk about some of the issues that we face as hunters and talk about, uh, the, the, the nature of the hunting community in terms of what our future looks like and, and what, and there's some dire things in our future, but there's also some really positive things in our future as, as hunters. And, and, and that's the kind of stuff I wanted to talk about and, and just get everybody kind of involved. And what's happened is, is people have tuned in and they've, they've liked the show enough. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't know why, because I'm not a great podcast host, and I stumble a lot, and I, I uh, mince my words a lot, and you know, the, a lot of things happen, and uh, just because you know, I'm not some professional broadcaster. I didn't go to school for this or anything. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I did a, uh, uh, and I still do a little bit, but I, I was doing a work podcast for, um, you know, facilities maintenance and and uh, building management and stuff for for my the industry I work in. And, and that one was going, that one was going okay. Uh, but it was really difficult to get guests after coronavirus. So it kind of fizzled out a little bit. Um, hopefully that'll, that'll change. But anyways, the point I'm trying to make is, is I had experience with, you know, maybe six or seven podcast episodes on that work one. And, um, what I really wanted to talk about though, was hunting and conservation and fishing and outdoors and camping and I, I mean everything. I, I like to talk about how to how to make campfires. I, I like to talk about um, why uh, we love mule deer and what what the difference between mule deer and whitetail hunting looks like. And I love talking. You guys know I love talking about elk hunting. I mean, come on, elk hunting is my thing. And and so that's that's where my passion comes from with with all of this, doing all this. I, I've uh, I just love getting this information out there. I love learning. I love learning about these animals and, and the habitats they live in and, uh, you know, all, all that kind of stuff that kind of goes into the show and is kind of the essence of the show. And, 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 I, and that's what I like doing. So uh, I think that it's made a big impact because you guys keep tuning in. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are sharing episodes 
and uh, they're 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 sharing it with friends and family, and and that's how it grows as well. That's actually the best way it grows. Uh, your recommendation to other people goes a, a million miles compared to what I can do marketing wise from my end. So if you like the messaging on this show, uh, I you know from the bottom of my heart I appreciate it if you share it. If you share this episode, uh, text an episode to a friend or a family member that you think would apply to their interests. And if you do that, uh, that's how the message spreads. Because our message is pretty simple here. We're here to inspire a genuine passion for hunting, fishing, and conservation. And that's to develop a strong coalition of American outdoorsmen to include Canada. I don't want to leave my Canadian friends out there. So I say that under the guise of North America. Willing to fight and protect our hunting rights, public land access, and our wildlife. That's it. That's our message. That's that's uh, the foundational driver behind the Western Huntsman podcast. And so to those of you out there that have shared it and have supported the show, you've shared some of the content we share on, on social media, or, or you comment on it, or you like it, um, or you uh, write a review uh, for us, all that kind of stuff, I, I sincerely appreciate it. I wish that I could sit down with you and buy you a beer. And, and, uh, I know that, uh, there's a lot of miles between many of us. I'm way up here in North Idaho and I've got listeners in Florida. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of miles behind b- between us, but I want you guys to know that I consider you guys, you know, my, m- within my circle of friends for sure. Even if we don't ever talk to each other personally, um, because we're hunters, we're outdoorsmen. We're the people that connect to nature. We're, we're the people that connect our way of life and our hunting uh, primal urge and tendencies to to this discussion that is greater and broader than just what kind of deer we shot. You know what I mean? And so it's just cool. This whole thing is just cool. It's a lot. It's a lot better than what I thought it was going to be when I started this thing. And and I was. I remember I was so nervous on when I started recording with people and I. I'd get them on and, and, uh, they'd either come into the studio or I'd go meet with them or we'd do it over the internet. Um, and I was so nervous every time for the first couple of months and, and now I'm not, I'm not nervous at all. So, uh, it's just, uh, it's just like a comfort now, now I can get behind the microphone and talk and, and, uh, you guys, I, I love when I put an episode out and I get feedback from you guys. Uh, sending me emails and in uh, all the other channels you can reach out to me by. I want to be, you know, as I, I try to respond to every single one of them. I, that, that doesn't always happen, but uh, I do try. I do try. I spend a lot of time uh, just responding and and uh, it, because I that's the point of this show is having these discussions and whether it's through the microphone or you know an email. So uh, that's where we're at, guys. I've got uh, this episode today. It's just kind of talking a lot about that. Um, I'm solo. I'm running solo today. I don't do this very often. Uh, usually I've got a guest on, but I, I did want to talk about, you know, the show in the last year and 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 bring up some things that uh, just showing my appreciation to you guys and, and sharing information that's like inside information on the show, too. I think that'll be kind of fun. So here we go with all that. Um, the show, again, 12 months ago, we, we kicked that bad boy off. Uh, down in a little cabin and uh, just outside of Orofino, Idaho, with Dirk, and uh, I want to I want to mention like the top five podcasts, the most downloaded podcasts episodes that we've done, 
because it's super interesting it's, and it's not what I expected. So uh, let's go through that. So the and what I'll do is I'll go backwards. I'll go, you know, the fifth most downloaded to the fourth most downloaded. And, uh, if maybe you guys, you guys will uh, get a kick out of it. I don't know. It's, it's super interesting for me to watch this, uh, kind of all play out. Uh, so the fifth most downloaded podcast was Marty Mariotto, the guy from the show mountain man, the trapper. That was the fifth most downloaded episode. And Marty was so much fun to have on the show. He's such a good dude. Uh, I'd love to have him on again. He's currently off-grid uh, trapping in Alaska right now. So that's pretty cool. Uh, super interesting how, how, uh, how that happened. Um, okay, so the, the, the fourth most downloaded episode was... Oh, where did I just... I, I, I've got this all pulled up on my thing, and it takes a minute for it to load. Because I've got, you know, crappy internet. Uh, okay, fourth most downloaded episode. The second episode that I recorded with Troy Pottinger. And that one was called Troy Pottinger, A Legend in Public Land Whitetails. And I released that on September the 5th of this last year. So um, apparently you guys like Troy, and I do too. I can see why, because he's such a stud, and he's such a whitetail, mountain whitetail buck killer, and I, I learned so much from having Troy on. Uh, what a stud, man. Uh, okay, third most downloaded episode is uh, the one I did with Dr. Valerius Geist, and that one was called Dr. Valerius Geist on Wolves and Ecological Balance. Um, pretty cool, uh, super cool actually, because, uh, it, it, if you don't know who Dr. Valerius Geist is, you gotta, you gotta look him up, man. Get some, get some of his books. He's got, uh, publications both online and, and books you could buy. Some of, some of the books are like rare because they stopped printing them. And so they got, they got really expensive. Um, but the guy, he, he just, he, he's forgotten more about wildlife management than I'll ever know. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant man. One of the main authors, on uh, the North American model of wildlife conservation, and uh, just he he was uh, kind enough to join me on that episode, and we we broke down you know the wolf issues and ecological balance and white tails versus mule deer and all the, all the stuff. So if you haven't heard that episode, you need to go back. I released that one on October twenty first of twenty twenty, and uh, it was the third most downloaded episode ever on the podcast. Okay, second most downloaded episode on the podcast. I wish I had a, I, I need a drum roll thing, you know? Uh, I don't have that little sound effect. Okay, second most downloaded episode on the podcast was the School of September episode with Dirk Durham, the Bugla. So Dirk, <laughs> he's been on the show a few times, uh, you guys know. And uh, even one time he brought his buddy, uh, Doug Flutie, which actually the Doug Flutie episode is super interesting. It's in like the top 10 of downloads. So I think what happened is I, we put that one out there and, uh, you know, it was a satire episode and it was, it was pretty funny. And I think people were like texting that one out to everybody, uh, to their friends and stuff, because it, it got a lot of downloads, a lot more than just like the average. Uh, and it's hard to say that there is an average, because some of my initial episodes were were actually pretty good, but it was before we we grew into the the larger audience that we have now. So that was really interesting. Okay, now I know you're on the edge of your seats, and 
This one may or may not be a surprise to you guys, but the number one most downloaded episode for the year 2020, or the first year of the Western Huntsman podcast, because technically we started in 2019, um, was the School of September episode with the elk nut Paul Medell. And um, I love it. I love it, man, because the top two episodes are School of September episodes. And and I'll, I'll be honest with you, the, the, the rest of like the, if I were to go through the top 10, uh, basically the rest of them are all School of September with the exception of that Doug Flutie episode that was in there. Um, the, the, all the, all the top episodes were, were pretty much all school of September ones. Uh, cause we had Jason Phelps, we had Joe Gillia, we had Chris Rowe. Um, and in fact, for the fifth position, for the fifth place position, it was almost tied. It was literally three downloads that, uh, separated sixth place to fifth place. And, and that one was, uh, with Chris Rowe, uh, of Rowe Hunting Resources for the school of September. And, and we had Michael Batiste. We had Corey Jacobson, and uh, all those episodes are all pretty much within the the top ten. Uh, I think we go past that, like the top twelve or whatever. But a lot of them were tied, um, and so I know, like, the, in fact, one of them, two of them were an exact tie. The one with uh, Michael Batiste and Joe Gillia, those were tied. Uh, they had the exact same amount of downloads, which is uh, pretty hard to do. So that's pretty cool. Um, super cool. So there you go. Apparently you guys like elk hunting as much as I do. So guess what? We're going to talk a lot of elk hunting this coming year. And, and that's, uh, that's what I, that's what I like talking about the most anyway. So, uh, in terms of downloads, uh, when you break it down per state, um, okay, we get, we get the most downloads in Idaho and then right behind Idaho. I mean, just right behind Idaho is the state of Washington. And, uh, that is interesting to me because of, well, it's not, it's not interesting. It's, it, it's not a surprise, I guess, because I'm, I'm right next door to Spokane, Washington. I know a lot of people over there, uh, and a lot of those guys come over to Idaho and hunt. And so I talk a lot about, you know, the North Idaho area and all that kind of stuff. So it's no, it's no real big surprise. What is surprising is the amount of downloads we get out of like Seattle and Tacoma, uh, cause I, you know, you know, you don't look at that area as like packed full of hunters, but it is, there's a ton of really kick-ass hunters over there and they're into this stuff and they're, they're uh, true blue Western hunters. And so when, when you really think about it, as surprising as it sounds, these big urban areas, um, you know, there's a lot of great hunters that, that come out of those areas. So I appreciate you guys over there. Uh, just a quick shout out next behind those two are Utah and Colorado. Uh, those are the next two most downloaded states. Uh, behind that are Oregon and California. And Wyoming ba- basically is kind of all, th- those three are kind of meshed in there the same. Um, the next group would be Montana, New Mexico, and Arizona. Uh, and I'm going to throw Texas in that mix. Texas has just as many downloads as all of those. So that pretty much covers the entire Western United States, with the exception of Nevada. And uh, we got to know what's going on in Nevada. We don't we don't get a ton of downloads in Nevada, and uh, but I know there's a lot of great hunters that come out of Nevada. So that's it's it's interesting seeing how that breaks down. Uh, other notable states we get a we get a, a surprising amount of downloads in New York and Florida. Uh, we get uh, a bunch out of Oklahoma. Uh, Illinois and Michigan and Wisconsin, those ones are all kind of in the top, um, I don't know, top 10-ish states or so. 
that uh, that I'm talking about because a lot of these I'm just kind of meshing together as one. Like you know Utah and Colorado, they're they're neck and neck. So is Idaho and Washington and uh, all those. So if we're placing all those, so anyway, just kind of interesting stuff. I thought you guys might be somewhat interested in in hearing about that. So let's move from that, and I want to shift to t- uh, announcing the winner of our trivia that. Uh, if you guys have been listening throughout the whole fall, I've been throwing out these trivia questions. And so, first of all, let's start with answering last week's trivia. Last week's trivia was how much does a uh, how much antler growth does a mature mule deer buck experience during the summer months? And the answer to that, which everybody answered correctly, is a quarter inch. So um, I want and why that's crazy to me because if you think about a quarter of an inch, right? We've all probably mowed our lawn at some point, and a quarter of an inch is 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 a pretty good amount of uh, growth that you'd see, but you never see that in a 24-hour span. Okay, maybe I take that back. Maybe in early May, you might see a quarter inch of growth on your grass. But think of an antler and the mass and the hard bone mass that, that you see on these animals by the time they've hardened up. Well, earlier in the year... Those things are growing like crazy, man. And, and before they're super hard, and they've got the velvet on them. And uh, so, so, anyways, the, the the point being, if you if you kind of sit down and imagine in a 24 hour span that antler growing a quarter of an inch, to me, and maybe it's just me, but to me, that's nuts. That's a lot of growth. Um, my buddy Mike Hers, he wrote in, um, he wrote in with the answer. And he also added in that a moose grows one pound of antler growth or sees one pound of antler growth uh, in a 24-hour span. That's nuts. A pound of antler in in a 24-hour span. Think of that. That's crazy, right? And so, anyways, thanks for everybody who who wrote in on that for the trivia. So I am going to keep the trivia questions going, by the way. Excuse me. I'm going to keep those going because... um, you guys, uh, you guys like them as much as I do because I get a ton of responses on those, more so than uh, a lot of times I'll ask a question and I'll get a bunch of emails uh, in response to the question that I ask. And other, t- other times I'll ask a question and I, it's like crickets. I, I hear nothing. And so on these particular – on the trivia questions, there's a ton, I get a ton of responses. So what I did is I took all those responses and I put them onto this, uh, this spreadsheet that mixes it all up and draws a name for me. This little program I got. Uh, it's pretty cool. And I want to announce the winner. The winner for the um, last quarter, the fall of 2020 trivia question um, competition or whatever, contest, is Johnny Bergeson. So Johnny Bergeson, if you're listening to this, I believe you're in Wyoming. Um, you need to write me. I Because what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a t-shirt, a sticker, and a coffee cup. And it's all Western Huntsman swag. And so I'm going to send that little package to you, but I need your address. So write into me, Johnny Bergeson in Wyoming, uh, Jim at the westernhuntsman.com to claim the prize. And I'm going to give you until next week's episode to do that. And if I don't hear from you within that time, I'm going to draw another name. But um, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to hear from you. So, Johnny, nice job. Um, it wasn't based on right or wrong answers. It was totally random. We just uh, we just draw a name. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue this on. So the next round is going to kind of run from uh, January through March, through the end of March. And I'll, I'll come up with uh, – and not every episode <clears throat> uh, has a trivia question, but – 
uh, we're going to do what we can to get those in there. So, Johnny Bergeson, the only reason I know you're in Wyoming is because your uh, your email address is is pretty telling. <laughs> and so, yeah, shoot me an email, man. You're the winner, brother. <laughs> All right, and so let's move on to uh, some other topics, man. I uh, I wanted to kind of cover a few things about the Western Huntsman and, and the Western Huntsman podcast, where we're going, and invite people that want to. Um, I know there's a lot of you out there that listen in that are also writers, and I know that because I'm a writer. And I like to write articles. I don't. I, I hardly have any time to freaking write articles anymore. But I, I really do enjoy writing, and I think it's a great way to communicate. And, and I'm looking for people that have a knack for writing that want to write a few articles for the Western Huntsman, and and I can put it up on the on the website and get it out there. Uh, any kind of hunting topic. So if you're interested in that, uh, I'll just be upfront and honest with you. Uh, this show does not generate any actual revenue. And so I can't pay you, but, uh, there, there will be other things and other incentives. And hopefully one day that might change. I might be able to pay you. I don't know. You never know. And so, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. If, if you're a writer and you want to, you want to send in a, a, an article that I could publish on the website with your name on it and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I kind of cap it at about 3000 words, uh, include some pictures, including a, a like a, a, a photo of you, uh, so I can put that in there so people know who, who you know, what they're reading and who it's from and all that kind of stuff. Uh, feel free to send that over to me. And that's kind of part of the, the Western Huntsman is getting uh, more than just, you know, my opinion. You know, I, it's, I, like, I like that kind of stuff because I don't want this to just, the Western Huntsman is not like a nickname for me, right? I am not the Western Huntsman. You know, I'm Jim with the Western Huntsman. The Western Huntsman is a, is a, I want it to be a collaborative thing. It's a, it's a collection of, of voices and people that, that, uh, have opinions and have perspectives that I think other hunters want to hear from. And, and so that's, that's what it is. Uh, we, my, my wife and, and, uh, some of our family, they joke around and they're like, Oh, are you the Western Huntsman? Or my wife will be like, would you mind if the Western Huntsman actually took the trash out this week? <laughs> so, you know, that kind of stuff, it's uh, super funny to kid around with that. But that's not what this is. The Western Huntsman is a brand. It is just a brand. And uh, I am not a, you know, f- some crazy good hunter that deserves some cool nickname or anything like that. Uh, I'm just an average hunter. And and sometimes I make it happen. And some most of the time, I fail miserably. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. So that's, that's, uh, I think an important point. And if, if, uh, you know, I, I, again, I've got a couple of guest writers that, that have written in articles. I still need it. Well, I've, I put a couple of, uh, Dale Valade's article articles out. He's a great writer out of Oregon. Uh, and he's, he kind of specializes in writing about firearms, which is great because I don't know much about, you know, he could, he could tell you everything there is about every caliber out there. I, <clears throat> I'm not one of those kind of guys. I, I don't, I don't really pay attention to a lot of that. I'm, I'm of more of the opinion that, uh, I have a couple of rifles that I really like. And when I'm rifle hunting, uh, I'm proficient enough with them. And so that's, that's all I care about. And it's, to me, it's all about practicing, but, uh, uh, so that, that one's out there on the website. Sorry, I got distracted. My phone started ringing there. Anyway, that one's out there on the article. Uh, and I've got another one in the queue from Dale, 
that I'm going to release. I also have one uh, from Andrew Tucker, who is uh, my, my cousin, actually. He wrote in, um, and I'm going to get that one out there on the website as well. And I just, I'd love to hear from you guys, man. If you guys have an article, I mean, listen, I, I'm just the podcast host here. I'm just kind of the, the guy that facilitates the, the platform of the Western Huntsman. We're, we're a collective of hunters here. And if you guys have something that's, uh, it'd be nice to hear from somebody other than me every once in a while on these articles. Cause I'm so dumb. I got to study for a urine test. So it'd be nice to get some smart people actually writing articles that people want li- to read and, and, uh, we can we can work something out. So shoot me an email, Jim at the and we'll see if we can get you out on the website and uh, published under the guise of a guest writer for the Western Huntsman platform. And topics will include or can include you know you know hunting, hunting stories to hunting tips to hunting strategies to conservation uh, stories about you know just just great stories. I, I love a really good story. I think that's that's uh, the way to go. And I, uh, this is again, this is this is a brand, and uh, I I have a thing for building brands. That's that's what I've done for my day job for a long time in the construction industry. It's I I, I like to build brands, and I get excited about that. And uh, I'm I'm good at taking companies from like a certain level to a certain level that maxes out. And then they need somebody that's uh, got a different set of skills to take it from that level that I got it to, to another level, right? And that, that's kind of that along the lines of what I've done in in my career. And and so I really like building brands. And I like, I have a lot of friends that, that own companies out there. And a lot of them do a really good job. In fact, I'll mention one. One that in terms of building a brand, let's talk about a butcher guy I know that started a company that the the brand and the name of the company itself tells you exactly what it does. That is good branding. And that is Get Your Meat LLC. Because what's our biggest concern? When when we take when we take a deer or an elk to the butcher, you know, my biggest concern is always, am I getting my meat back? Well, I, and he's not in my area, but my buddy Andy started a company called Get Your Meat LLC down in the Boise area. And and he's a wild game butcher. He does a fantastic job, and his guarantee is you're going to get your meat back. You're not going to get some other dude's elk back that you don't have, you know, you have no idea whether or not he took care of that in the field or she. And uh, where where Andy, you, you take that meat into to Andy. I just kind of, it's, actually, it's a good way to throw a shout out to Andy. I am throwing him a shout out shamelessly. If I was in the Boise area, I'd take my meat to to get your get your meat LLC. Uh, reach out to them if you got any needs because it's it's a great company and and that's uh, that's how you brand a company and the brand that I'm trying to develop here at the Western Huntsman is we are Western hunters that are uh, united uh, we don't necessarily agree on everything but we are united and we're sharing these messages and I think that is good stuff that uh, that we really need to focus on and and all kind of, kind of come together and that's that's really the the philosophy behind the Western Huntsman uh, together. Uh, you know, high tides raise all ships, right? A raising tide, rising tide raises all ships. And, and that's kind of what the, uh, f- some of the foundational principles here are. And the one thing that I always want people to be able to rely on with the brand of the Western Huntsman is the, it, it's a name that you could trust. And it's, it's, a, it's a durable, solid, trustworthy brand, I'm, this is not, you know, it's not like this is some kind of effort to be a journalist, right? I don't report news. This isn't CNN. 
because I'll be honest with you guys, uh, and, and 2020 has really kind of put a lot of this into perspective, but I, I was suspicious of, of this long before 2020. I don't trust the news media. I don't, I don't, I don't trust any of them. And I know that there's some that are, that are great biased one way that are great biased the other way. And, and people really love and, and, uh, and enjoy those, those networks and stuff like that. But for me personally, I, I don't trust them. Sometimes I don't know who to trust anymore with, with a lot of that stuff because you, you, and I don't trust these big tech companies like Facebook and, uh, yeah, you know, all this stuff is just, it's just, man, it's left a bad taste in my mouth, especially lately. It's, it's such, it's so like, makes me feel so dirty. You know what I mean? The, the way that these people that are supposed to be just reporting the news have, have put these twists and I don't care if it's right or left. I, I really don't care if it's right or left. The point is, is it is right or left and it's not supposed to be. And, and that's why I don't trust them. And this started years ago. And, and I'll tell you this little story about where it started. I think you guys will like this story because it, it really puts into perspective uh, where this attitude just kind of came out of. Many of you know, I, I was in Iraq. And when I was in Iraq, it was during the initial invasion from Kuwait and the, the big drive to Baghdad, right? I was a 0311 front lines fire team leader in the Marine Corps Infantry. And I was, uh, I was a second fire team leader of 1st Squad of 1st Platoon, Easy Company, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines. And we called it Easy Company because it's actually Echo Company. But uh, back in World War II, the Marines in, uh, in, in this particular unit that landed on the Battle of Tarawa which was a hellacious freaking battle. I met the dude that had my exact job. I, I think I explained that in one of the episodes. Um, back then, it was an Echo Company. It was Easy Company. So after we met the uh, the Marines that held our same billet positions uh, during World War II, uh, we changed as a company. We kind of like voted on it and changed it officially to Easy Company. So Easy 2-2, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines in the, the 2nd Marine Division. And in Iraq, I was part of Task Force Tarawa. And that was just kind of the name of, of our, our unit that was pushing in to Iraq. And the way that invasion went, it was long before, in, in the Iraq war, it was long before the bases were established in Iraq. Uh, we didn't have any bases. We didn't have any safe zones. Uh, we, we didn't have, you know, airports and and, and just these, these areas that, that got established later on in the war because troops were there for so freaking long, um, they had to, obviously. Uh, we basically were moving from Kuwait to Baghdad. The, the objective was to take Baghdad and, and take the bad guys in, in, you know, all along the way. Uh, that, that big initial drive, that, that initial invasion. Uh, we were one of the first uh, units to cross into Iraq when the war started. And so this is way back in 2003. Seems like yesterday, but uh, it was a long time ago. And so the, uh, the the Marine Corps, our task forces on on the uh, in the Marine Corps, kind of were focused on this the right side, and the Army had units focused on the left side of Iraq. If you're looking at it on a map, and so we were in that we were kind of like part of that tip of the spear kind of thing going up on the right side of Iraq. It was real interesting. Anyways. One of the most dangerous things that you would do in Iraq 
was these vehicle checkpoints. And that's where we would set up a roadblock and we would have to inspect all these vehicles that were coming through, right? And so we're doing that. My fire team's doing that. Crazy stuff happened on these checkpoints. It, it was it was um, something I'll never forget. But we're doing that. And this car full of these kind of, uh, I, I don't know if it was a family or, or what, but uh, the, there was a dude driving and this, uh, the, this, this older lady gets out and uh, we had an interpreter with us and she was kind of expressing in, in her language that, uh, they were, they were thirsty. They'd been on the road for a long time. They had no water. And so we had water jugs right there. So we took these, they had these water bottles and I'm filling them up and a check again, a checkpoint is a very dangerous place. Well, before I go there, let me, let me back up by stating that, uh, along with us, as we were making this big drive to Baghdad, we had, uh, if you remember the term embedded reporters, we had these embedded reporters with us. And they, they, they were these uh, civilian journalists that would kind of follow behind us in a five-ton truck. Uh, the five-ton, you know, the typical troop transport kind of trucks that you see sometimes in the movies. And we dubbed that truck the clown cart, and we even made a sign for it and attached it to the front, and the journalists were all pissed about that, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we didn't care. But anyway, so the clown cart pulls up um, kind of where the checkpoint we had set up was, and, and this reporter gets out, um, real kind of, you know, hipster-looking dude, and, and uh, he gets out, and I'm pouring, or I'm filling up this lady's water bottle, and... I looked over at him and he's snapping pictures of this. Like, like I'm some big time humanitarian, I think is what the spin he wanted to take on this was or, or whatever. Um, I'm pouring the water and I kind of look over at him and, and I told him, Hey, uh, you're way too close, man. I need you to back up like 50 yards. Just, you, you need to get away from this checkpoint. Again, these are dangerous places. Uh, car bombs were going off. You know, firefights were breaking out at these checkpoints uh, all over the place, um, and and they were just they, they were just a crazy uh, situation to be in. And so I was telling him, you know, I you need to back up. And he's like, let me just get a couple of pictures. And I'm like, no, dude, you need to go way the fuck back there because uh, CNN can wait on on their pictures. Pardon my French, by the way. Um, and he got this really annoyed look on his face because I said, CNN can wait and looked at me and he said, I'm with the Associated Press. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm making fun of him too hard. He said, I'm with the Associated Press and a real just, you know, one of those snotty kind of responses. And um, I gave him a few choice words and convinced him that he needed to get back in that truck and they needed to back up and go, go back away from the checkpoint. So, so that, that happened. Like two nights later, what, uh, what our job, what part of our job was is we would go in and, and, uh, so-called liberate these towns, these villages and these towns and whatever we'd, we'd come and occupy them. And then we'd push outside the city limits of, of whatever town we were in and, uh, and kind of secure them as, as we moved in every, all the, all the American, uh, or coalition forces were kind of catching up. Right. Um, so, so we were doing that now. Here's something that I, I don't ever, I, I don't want anybody to take out of um, take the wrong way or out of context, but uh, because I know there's a lot of opinions on this and and a lot of different variations as to the justification of going into the uh, Iraq War, and I have some as well. But at the time, my experience was 
as we liberated village and town after village and town, uh, the Iraqi people were extremely thankful and very, very happy that we were there. They hated Saddam Hussein, right? They uh, were people that have been living under tyranny for a long time, where if they didn't support the leader of Iraq uh, and, and their, their leader, this, this godlike figure that Saddam Hussein made himself into, uh, that they could face the repercussions of death even. It was a very bad situation for these people. So irregardless of how you feel about the justification of the Iraq war, what, what one thing that I took out of it is I felt good about the fact that these people were no longer going to live under a tyrannical ruler like Saddam Hussein. Does that justify years and years and blah, blah, blah of uh, occupation and all that kind of stuff? I don't know, guys. It's way above my pay grade. But I, I am just telling you from, from my experience there, they were very appreciative. And we had multiple uh, Iraqi military folks that would surrender to us that expressed that they had no interest in fighting us. They wanted Saddam gone as bad as we did. And the only reason they were fighting is because uh, while they were still in communication with the regime, had they surrendered, Saddam would have killed their families. So they kept fighting. Okay, so we've established that. So needless to say, once we would liberate a village, the Iraqis would celebrate um, at night. And one of the ways that they celebrate in the Middle East is they take their their rifles, their, their weapons that they have, and they like, and and only a very select few would have them, right? This isn't like it's not like America, uh, or or more specifically Idaho or Wyoming or Montana or Utah, Colorado, all the western states, you know, where a bunch of us have guns. This isn't the South. This is Iraq. So not a lot of uh, civilian citizens of the the country of Iraq had weapons, but some of them did. And when we would liberate a town, they would. Uh, you know, they'd celebrate in the street that night with like fireworks and they'd shoot their guns in the air. And I remember we were sitting there in our fighting holes. We dug these, you know, quintessential fighting foxholes, the kind that you dig in and uh, you make a little parapet for your for your rifle to set over um, and a sleeping area, all this stuff. And there were two man fighting positions. And that's that's what we did. So we'd push out of town and dig in for the night. So we're sitting there and we're eating our MREs. Um, and and kind of just BSing back and forth. That's that's what Marines do, uh, making jokes and and smoking cigarettes and all the things that 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 you do. That ninety percent of the the time you spend in a war is just sitting there. So this same reporter, this douche canoe that I had had to basically threaten with his safety, uh, not from the the dangers of war, but for myself, if he didn't get away from my checkpoint, he was uh, he, kind of within our within our lines there. As this the town behind us was doing celebratory fire, so we were facing the opposite direction. The town was behind us, but you could hear all this ruckus going on in town, right? And they're shooting their guns in the air. There's fireworks going off. There's cheering. There's uh, banging pots and pans. You, you'd have thought it was like New Year's Eve. And, and uh, you know, all this ruckus was going on. And he's back there set up reporting that the Marines are engaged in this giant firefight. And he's being so dramatic about it. And he's, like, kind of acting like he's ducking from gunfire. And and uh, he's yelling into his microphone as he's reporting that this, this big battle's going on. And he didn't know we could hear him. Because we're just sitting there, like, you know, trading MREs for cigarettes and, and M&Ms, you know. 
and and we we we're about ready to go to sleep, other than the fire watch for the night. And he's back there reporting it like it's this, you know, Normandy beach invasion or something. Like there's this big battle going on, and he wanted to make it sound like he was in the midst of it. So at the time, I'm like 22 years old in Iraq. I believe I was 22, and I'd been in the Marines a long time. Well, I a little a little something interesting. The week I was supposed to get out of my four-year enlistment in the Marine Corps is the same week that the Iraq War started. So obviously I was stop-lost. Uh, they didn't let us get out. They extended our uh, enlistment service, and and there I was in Iraq. So getting back to that, I I remember thinking back then, and this is back before I had, you know, strong political opinions or or one thing or another. In terms of that, uh, I didn't really pay attention much. Um, I'd voted in one presidential election, and I didn't know why I was voting for the guy, but I did. And uh, and that's just kind of how, you know, I was young. And, and this was back before all the young people were like political activists like they are now. And a lot of these folks nowadays... They have no, they have no reason, or, or um, they, they shouldn't be political activists when you're a teenager. Like you got bigger things to think about and worry about. Uh, I, I think it's, it's robbing them of their childhood. And so this was back in those days when uh, we weren't robbed of our childhood, and we weren't filled with a bunch of just crazy propagandist left or, or right wing. Uh, just shit in our heads to, to make us these young activists. We, we were just normal. We were kids, you know? And so I didn't, I didn't have any political leanings one way or the other. I didn't know that the media lied like they do until then. And that is where my opinion shifted, where this guy made this phony story about this great battle that we were in. And, and prior to this, most of the towns we liberated it, we didn't. We didn't even have to shoot our rifles. They just the enemy left. They they knew the Marines were coming. They left. Same with the Army guys on the other side of the country. The Army the, the Army was coming. They left. They didn't want to fight. So I don't think a shot had been fired all day until the uh, local civilian population of the Iraqis started celebrating with a celebratory fire. And it just rubbed me the wrong way. There was something dirty about it, the way he was lying about this big battle going on. It was a big firefight. You know, the Marines are heavily engaged and blah, blah, blah. And it it just, it was a lie. And it soured me to this, the concept of journalism. And ever since then, because I started paying attention after that, ever since then, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And I guess that is a long way of saying that here at the Western Huntsman, what what you hear from me, and and uh, not that I'm reporting news again, but when I do uh, have something to talk about, it's from my heart, and it's what I know to be true. I have either verified it, or I am, uh, if I'm not 100% true uh, or, or sure about its, its uh, truth, I will tell you that I'm not 100% sure that this is right, but here's what I think. And I think that that's an important distinction. I'm not here to change anybody's opinions, even though I have opinions and I talk about them and I, and I give you reasons why I feel one way or the other. I'm not here to change anybody's opinion. I'm not here to uh, lament some cause uh, whether it's a dying cause or a, a growing cause or, or whatever, whatever truth of action or, or, you know, whatever we're talking about, 
what I, my, my goal with this is just to present how I feel about it or my guest, how they feel about it, present you with, with what facts we have, uh, and talk about what as hunters we need to do about it. Because this is, this is such important stuff. It's such important stuff. This, this is what we are. And I want you guys to just know that I will definitely make mistakes because I, I have, I've been doing this a year now and, and yeah, there's, I've, I've made mistakes as to, to what I said and I regretted, you know, saying this or that at, at one point and that's, that's going to continue. I mean, shit, I'm, I'm just a dude that likes to hunt and talk about it on a show. So that's, that's going to continue. But I, I do want you to get you guys to know that, um, whether you agree with my opinions or my beliefs, uh, one way or the other, or you don't agree with them, uh, I just want you to know that it, it, it actually does come from my heart, and I truly and firmly believe it, and I, I know that I, I know it to be factual if I'm presenting it as a fact. I'm not I'm not trying to sway you or convince you or pull pull the wool over anybody's eyes. And so I I think that you guys will appreciate that because I know I appreciate that from other podcasts that I listen to. Because you know, there's some of them that are just they they're just BS, and I'm, I I just want to be totally honest with you guys, and and uh, I think that's important. Anyway, that uh, that was a long road to take to get to that destination, wasn't it? But I think we covered it pretty good, so I appreciate that. I like I like telling stories sometimes on the show, <laughs> and and uh, I actually I got a couple of good ones for you guys <laughs> because it's been pretty interesting. So I started the show right, and uh, you know as we talk about this whole last year and how the show has gone and and just some awesome guests we've had. You know, uh, I, I'd start naming them, but I what what would happen is is we've had fifty some odd guests on the show and I'd forget somebody, and so I, I don't want to do that, but. I have had some great guests and and all of them and they've all become friends and they've all you know just uh, we we have a connection after you've been on the show we like have this connection right and and I I really like that but uh you guys know I was talking about some of the distance between us and that that is true for not only you listeners but it's also true for some of the guests I get I've had guests in Alaska I've had guests in the Midwest I've had guests in the south or back east uh, or other western states and uh, so, so while I'm doing this show, it's it's uh, lots of things happen. I'm sitting here in the studio. When I'm recording, I'm either I've either got coffee, or I'll just fess up and tell you guys. Sometimes I have a beer, or I have uh, you know like a whiskey, and it's it's fun, and and it gets uh, I, I've just always got something going on. Well. The problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is I have one of the world's smallest bladders you will ever see in your life. And it's it's like everybody makes fun of when they're on a road trip with their wife because their, their wife constantly has to stop to go pee or whatever. Now, that's me too. Uh, my wife does have a small bladder, so but we're on the same schedule. It takes us like an eight-hour drive will take us ten because her and I, we we have to stop all the time. I don't know what to do, especially when I get drinking beer. It just flows right through me. But anyway, so the remedy to that when we're recording like a two-hour podcast is I have water bottles, okay? Just like when you're sitting in a deer stand or something like that, uh, it's the same kind of situation when I'm sitting in the studio. The most disastrous thing that ever happened Man, I thought it was going to ruin everything. So I used one of those water bottles to empty the bladder, right? I know, it's kind of gross, but I did. And uh, <laughs> I set it on the desk, and I'm like, man, what am I going to do with this? It was like one of the first times I did, <laughs> I did this. 
I'm like, what am I going to do with this? The guest is talking, I'm talking and I'm trying to figure out, I'm like trying to figure out where I'm going to put this bottle. And I turn around behind me. I got a behind me. If you've ever seen some of the pictures of us uh, recording, I've got a big window behind me and I thought, man, I could just turn around and kind of dump it out and mute my microphone while I'm doing that out the window. So it just goes outside, right? <laughs> and, uh, it'll be fine. And so that was my, that was my thought. So I turned back around to grab it. And instead of grabbing it, I knocked the damn thing all over my laptop. And I had this, the kind of guest on that I didn't want to be like, okay, dude, hold on. I just spilled, uh, you know, pee all over my laptop from my water bottle that I just peed in while you were talking. (laughs) And so I'm like freaking out. I have this t-shirt that I cover some of the equipment with and I grab that and I'm like dabbing it and I'm picking up the computer and I'm trying to drain it off and I'm like just trying to get it off the desk so it doesn't ruin microphones and soundboards and laptops and uh, I have a mouse sitting here and wires going everywhere, right? I mean, it's like a legitimate studio in here. And <laughs> I'll bet you, I'm, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not the first podcaster to ever do that, but I'll bet you I'm one of the first. And <laughs> I don't, you know, it's a, kind of an embarrassing story, but I thought you guys might get a kick out of that. The crazy thing is, is this is like a thousand dollar computer. I, I record all this on didn't hurt it at all. I mean, it was all over the keyboard and everything. It didn't hurt it at all, and it didn't affect the audio. We went on for another 45 minutes recording that show after that had happened, and I'm, I'm just like freaking out the whole time thinking that the, the computer's going to crash at any second or something's going to blow up or, uh, yeah, you know, it's just going to be a, a disaster. But no, it actually it turned out fine. Nobody ever noticed, and it was a few months ago, and uh, I just thought that, some of that behind the scenes stuff, I always like to hear that from other shows, whether it's like, you know, a TV thing or, or uh, another podcast or whatever, some of this behind the scenes stuff. Another time, this dude I had, I, I had a, I had this dude on and we're recording. It's a remote interview again. And uh, he was, he was a big talker, which is always good for a podcast host because it's, it's nice way, you know, you, you get different personalities and some people, they talk a lot and it's, it's really good and, and you don't have to say much. You just kind of guide the conversation and it goes. And those are always nice versus trying to pull information out of somebody that's not a big talker. And it's all that is, is just a personality difference. Like if I got my wife on, uh, she, I, it would be like an hour of me asking her questions and they would be like, yes or no answers because she's like way shy and she's not like a big talker unless it's just me and her. But if she knows other people are listening, she's, she's like kind of, she's super quiet and versus me, I just talk everybody's ear off. It's so it's uh that's that's kind of the dynamic I'm talking about. But I'm sitting there recording with this guy and he's he's a big talker and I'm like, what the hell is that smell, man? And the, it just kept hitting me like a wall, this crazy, nasty, foul, ungodly smell. And finally, like I, I went through that for like a half an hour during this conversation, and it just kept coming and hitting me and boom. And it would throw me off. Like it would mess up the conversation because I, I, my, it was pretty sure my nose hair was melting as I was trying to talk. It was so bad. The, the smell was so bad. Then I realized I had my little buddy in here, Trevor, Trevor, the studio dog. And Trevor is a 10 year old golden retriever. And uh, he's, he's a bit overweight because he, I don't take him hunting anymore. He's, he's, he get, it hurts, uh, the poor dog. So I don't like to, he wants to go. I know he wants to go hunting. He, he was a great bird dog when he was younger. I'm telling you, right. He was a great bird dog. Uh, we had a ball chasing upland game 
And, uh, but anyway, I know he, he gets, uh, he's got a little arthritis going on and, and, and so he just kind of lays around and he hangs out with me in the studio. In fact, he's in here right now, but for some reason that day he had freaking gas and it was terrible. And I know what it was. He'd gotten into, uh, he had gotten into this dead animal that, uh, cause we, where we live, you know, we're, we're in the woods. So I'll get a, we'll get dead deer and turkeys and all sorts of stuff. Just kind of show up on the property and Trevor, he always finds them. So he'd been, he, he must've been munching on that. And it was a dead, it was a dead doe, uh, that I, I don't know if she just didn't make it through the winter or what, but I didn't know she was out there and <laughs> he gets, he gets a hold of that and she was on, on that all the way down to the bone marrow and everything else, you know? Uh, and, and, but he's uh, in, in the studio while I'm trying to record and it was a, it was an important conversation and he's just ripping ass like crazy. And it, I mean, it stunk, man. It, it, you ever smell just those foul dog odors? I just, I couldn't get over it. So the dude was a big enough talker that I was able to mute my microphone, jump out of my chair, run over to the door of the studio, let him out and let him out in, out of the main part of my shop. Because you go, you got to go through two doors when you're in the studio to get outside. I had to run way down there, open the door, let him out, kick. I, I didn't let him out. I kicked him out. I kicked. I'm, I'm like, dude, you are not staying. You're killing me. Kicked him out, and came running back. And the guy was still talking. I'm not going to say which guest it was because they don't know that this happened. <laughs> but I came running back here, put my headphones back on, and he's still just talking, talking my ear off. I loved it. It was perfect. It's kind of stuff I, I I get a big kick out of, and I uh, thought you guys might too. So anyway, let's wrap this up by by just saying that um, here we are, guys, a year into this. Uh, we've done some cool stuff. We've done some really great giveaways. Uh, had a cool uh, youth hunting contest, or I'm sorry, youth essay, hunt, hunting essay contest. Um, I think that turned out really well. I want to. I have some ideas for that because uh, I want to. I want to go forward with with another. Uh, something along those lines in the future. We had a really good response for that with with that. So uh, I figured it might might be kind of cool. Uh, so just uh, as as we wrap this down, wind this down, guys. It's been it's been one year, um, almost you know sixty episodes when you include the school of September because those don't count as an actual episode number except for one because I was out of episodes that week. <laughs> See, there's another little inside secret, and. Uh, as we wrap this up, guys, it's just, it's been a heck of a ride. It's been a hell of a ride. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed getting to know many of you. Uh, some of the conversations we've had, uh, you know, whether it's on Facebook Messenger or uh, direct message on Instagram or, or uh, you know, email. And uh, some sometimes it's been phone calls and uh, just getting to know you guys, making, making new friends, uh, learning a lot about different people and, and their perspective about hunting and conservation and fishing. Holy cow. I had a heck of a fishing episode, uh, or, or not episode conversation with a guy I'm releasing an episode, which you guys don't want to miss that one next week. Uh, that's that, that was a, that was a cool episode. I got to go to his house and, and record this and, uh, he's just, he's a legitimate outdoorsman. So you guys, uh, don't miss that one next week, but uh, this is, this has just been great. This has just been great for me. Uh, it's, I've, I've learned a lot about hunting. I've learned a lot about myself and, and some of the things I I've been messing up in terms of, uh, my hunting, uh, efforts. And, uh, I feel like there's, I know that a lot, many of you have written in to me and, and told me that, you know, maybe, maybe it was a school of September, you know, that, that changed your perspective on this and that. And because of that, you were successful this year or, 
you actually ended up calling in bulls this year because of the school September uh, series. Or it was the, the episode, the turkey episode with Chris Rowe or Scott Ellis, where we talked nothing but turkeys. And uh, a lot of you, you, you got turkeys because of it. And, and that makes me tick. That really makes me tick. That fires me up like you guys wouldn't believe. So don't stop sending me that kind of stuff. I, I love hearing it. And uh, thank you to everybody who's jumped on the website and, and bought the T-shirts and the mugs and the, all that kind of stuff because that, that really does help. In fact, if you guys, if you guys want a cool T-shirt or something uh, and want to jump on there, I'll tell you what I'm doing is I'm saving that money up so that I can actually trademark the brand of the Western Huntsman. Right now it's, it's protected uh, through like this copyright, but I, I want to take it the, to the next level that that would really hold up uh, and and trademark that that. But it's it's pretty expensive, so I need you guys to buy a T-shirt or something or a sticker. I don't care what it is. But for those of you that already have, I appreciate that. That helps offset the some of the costs of this. And I appreciate you guys that have shared the episode. Uh, I appreciate you guys that have written reviews on Apple. Um, or, or wherever you can. I know a lot of the podcast hosting sites don't allow you to write, write one of those, but, uh, uh, I just, again, I, I don't know how else to say it guys. I just appreciate it. I, I, I love you guys. Uh, I love hunting. I love the outdoors. I love conservation. I like, I like passion and, uh, I feel like my audience has a lot of passion and, and that's, that's been a super interesting thing that I've noticed is, you know, before I did this, uh, I, I kind of thought, I, I always knew there was a lot of passionate hunters out there. I just didn't know how many. Like that, when you guys download a show that I put out every week, that tells me you are freaking passionate about hunting. It's February, uh, and I'm still getting a bunch of downloads. Or it's, it's uh, you know, there's no hunting season going on, but I'm still getting a bunch of downloads. That is commitment to the hunting world. And I thought that... I, I knew there was a bunch out there, but I, I, what I've realized with this show is there is a lot of you out there that are a lot like me, <clears throat> where, excuse me, the, where we think about hunting all the time. You know, we think about it. We think about how to, how we can be better, uh, how, how we could be, how we can improve our season and our odds and, and, or, or we think about the gear and, um, which by the way, in terms of gear, uh, it's just been, it's been interesting using, I've been using this initial ascent pack cause I had a, I had an elk hunt a couple of weeks ago and I got, I got close, man. I spotted these elk down from the road. They're about three quarters of a mile up this drainage. Uh, I had to put the snowshoes on and I worked my way up there and they were feeding towards me and there was a, there was like a spike and I think there was a raghorn, but I only caught like a quick glimpse of that. They were kind of coming in and out of some timber. And I closed the distance as much as I could, but I, I was out of I was out of timber, so I needed them to feed towards me, and and that's kind of what they were doing. They were working their way, working their way, and I'm like, oh, this spot sucks. I need to adjust by like 10 feet. And when I did that, uh, I hit some crunchy snow. Uh, they didn't see me, but they heard something, and so they just kind of shifted direction and moved the other way, and I had no way to pursue them or get around them. Um, and then the 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 next day, I. Or, or the next time I, I hunted for about six days straight, and the next the next encounter uh, was also interesting. This I had just kind of walked up into this area that uh, that I've hunted in September, and knew there were elk up there, and there there still are, uh, even with all the snow. They were they were kind of hanging up there. Uh, it's pretty far back. It took me forever because of the snow, uh, but uh, I, I the, the point being, I I almost got a bull on that day as well. And interestingly. Um, 
the he was moving and I cow called and he actually stopped and he thought about coming towards me. And and so it answers a lot. I've seen a lot of questions. Do 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 calls work in, in like late season? I don't know. Because he did stop and he analyzed and and he did that. You know, you could read their body language and he almost turned. And, and this is an archery hunt. Uh, so I had to get super close. Uh, otherwise, if it was a rifle hunt, that would have been over that first day. But uh, this this was an archery hunt. And he kind of gave give me this this like shift in his body that, that maybe he was going to come check it out. And then he just changed his mind and kind of wandered off in the other direction. And I tried to cow call again. So the jury is still out, in my opinion, as to whether or not you can call him in that late season. I don't, I don't think for the most part you're going to be super successful doing that. But, you know, you never know. You get a curious bull, you know. Um, so that was fun. Uh, the point to that is I, I got to carry this initial ascent pack that these guys sent uh, that is a, a pack that is kind of changing hands every month to a different hunter. Uh, it's called the Travel or, or the, the Brotherhood of the Traveling Pack. Um, man, these packs are legitimate, guys. They, they, these are, these are American-made, Idaho-made, uh, these packs. And I'm not saying this because they're not a show sponsor or anything like that, um, but they, they, are, they make these excellent packs. They're super functional. Everything about them just makes sense. And the way they fit, the, the, the weight distribution is unlike anything else I've, I've had with any other pack. And, and I haven't tried all the packs out there. So I, I'm not saying I'm comparing them to every pack out there. If you've got a favorite pack that you like, um, that's awesome. Uh, what I am saying is I've tried enough packs to know that my next gear investment is an initial ascent. Um, they sent me the 4K. I'm probably going to go with the 6 uh, just because I've got some backcountry hunts coming up and I, I, I want that extra space. Uh, and, and it's just an excellent pack and, and I loaded it down a little bit more than I needed to, but it was winter and I wanted to be prepared. Um, great pack guys, as with any of the gear with our show sponsors, uh, I want to thank them too. uh, scree gear, uh, and, and Hoffman boots and Phelps game calls. You guys have all sponsored the show this year. Um, I want to thank Tacticam. Uh, they're, they're a good partner for the show. Uh, if you guys don't have a Tacticam, you, you should check out Tacticam if you like to film your hunts. Uh, it's a great POV type kind of camera, super easy to use, very functional. Um, just go to Tacticam.com and check that out. Uh, let them know I sent you though, because they're not a formal sponsor of the show yet, but they might be. I, I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. But um, in terms of scree. Uh, you know, the, the scree gear that I use, I don't just tell you guys, I like scree because they have sponsored the show. Uh, I promise you, I legitimately think that you're getting the most bang for your buck when you buy the scree gear. It's very high quality gear, uh, and, and effective camo patterns, great technical apparel, uh, that you're not going to have to, you know, take out a second mortgage to get, uh, the stuff it, it's pricey. But it's not that pricey, right? It's just really good gear, and I have tried enough of the name the name brands out there to know that I do stand behind this scree gear. So if if you guys are interested in that, uh, definitely check them out and use promo code the Western Huntsman. It'll save you fifteen percent. Uh, and and then last is 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 my pal uh, Jim Hoffman and Hoffman Boots. Uh, the these these this Idaho bootmaker company. I've never. It's it, it, Hoffman Boots has always been like this little secret for North Idaho and uh, the the linemen, the guys that work on those power lines and everything else, because they make lineman boots. But the the in terms of hunters, it's always been like this little North Idaho secret that you can get these Hoffman boots, like Scree. 
These boots are a little bit less than what you'll find with a lot of the top name brands, but that does not take away from the quality of these boots. These things are freaking tough boots, and I've been using them for years, and I believe in them with uh, with everything I got. So Hoffman Boots, we got a promo code there too. It's Huntsman15. Huntsman is all cap locks. Uh, oh, cap lops, locks. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Anyway, I've been talking too long, guys. Shit. Anyway. All right, guys, let's wrap this up. Once again, this is our uh, one-year anniversary. Uh, I'm super happy uh, with with how this year has gone. It has blown out all the goals and objectives that I set for this show. Uh, when I started the show, I did kind of operate it like it was, uh, you, know, you know, in terms of goals and objectives, kind of like from a business format, and I set goals uh, to, to hit milestones to achieve. Guys, we blew all those out by, like, freaking June. It was ridiculous. It's crazy. Thank you so much for tuning in from the bottom of my heart. I really mean that. Thank you sincerely. Let me know if you have any ideas for the show coming into the new year. I do. I'm ready to work on some, some of these new ideas that we're going to, we're going to bust out in 2021. And, uh, but if you have a cool idea you want to share Jim at the Western that's my email address. Love to hear from you guys. Have a great week, guys, and sincerely thank you so much for tuning in and, and supporting this show. It means the world to me. Uh, I, can't, I just can't thank you enough. And uh, from my family to yours and from the Western Huntsman to you, Merry Christmas. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.